Welcome to the Beats and Coffee Podcast, episode 12. Today we have a very special guest, a man that needs no introduction. It's your boy, Luke for Prez, back in the mix. Welcome to the podcast, Luke. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. I was I was rehearsing that intro all week, so (laughs) (laughs) Um, no, excited to have you on here because you kind of do both. You're not only a you know YouTube producer that is puts out content for producers, but you also are have a tight beat channel or are selling beats online. So like you're not only just you know providing information for producers, you're living it. Um, so that's, I mean, I think that's why the the producer community embraces you because like you're doing both ends of it. Um, but so to kind of start off really, um, usually I, I like to do the kind of the layup question of, uh, you know, how did you get involved in music for you? I saw in your bio that it also says you were a former child star turned trap producer. I haven't heard the story behind that. So, um, let's hear, let's hear the background on all that. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, so it, it's real. People think it's a joke, but um, when I was four, I actually starred in a TV show on ABC called Fudge, which was based on a series of books by uh, the author Judy Bloom, like a prolific uh, children's author. And they made it into a, uh, a, a children's TV show on ABC. And I was cast as Fudge. And that started me off on like this crazy acting career before I could even, you know, read or write really. <laughs> yeah. So from the ages of four to about eight, I worked steadily, did two seasons of Fudge, did uh, an episode of Frasier, uh, was on The Tonight Show with Jay Leno seven times <laughs> during that nice. span and um, a bunch of other stuff. Really weird, did, you know, had no uh, inkling of, of wanting to do that whatsoever. It just sort of happened. I, I happened to meet a, an agent um, one day, just like at a restaurant. And, um, before you know it, I was, <laughs> I was on TV. It was That's really awesome. weird. Um, yeah. So that was cool again, just because it was not something I was necessarily passionate about. Um, luckily I had really supportive parents who didn't like force me to do it. So as soon as they realized that I wasn't really feeling it, uh, despite yeah. the, you know, the opportunities that I was walking away from, they were like, don't even worry about it. We'll put you in public school. Like, be normal <laughs> basically cool. so yeah so that's the story with that so it's like a fun tidbit now but um i'm not interested in acting whatsoever and as a matter of fact i hate being on camera entirely which is hilarious because of all the content that i do now <laughs> but it it's still the case um as far as music and how i got into producing i've always had a love for rap music since i was 10 years old and uh it's just something that stuck with me. And in high school, like most people, uh, I downloaded a, a bootleg version of FL Studio and started messing around. But at that time, there wasn't a whole lot of tutorials. Like YouTube was just getting started. And I wouldn't have even known to look there in order to get an education. And to be perfectly honest, I didn't have the discipline at that time to actually like sit there and learn this, you know, very um uh, massive program, essentially, yeah. you know what I mean? So with my short attention span at the time, eventually I just stopped opening the the program and, you know, moved on to other things, went to college, started getting normal, boring, awful jobs. And, uh, you know, 
still love rap music, loved EDM, but uh, never really considered going back into it until, you know, one day I, I was working this, uh, this nine to five sales job, uh, very far from where I live. I had like a horrible commute and, uh, I would, you know, play music. I was carpooling with a buddy and we would, you know, just bump future like on the way there. And, you know, just like the bass, there was just like something about the 808s where I was just like, man, like, I wish I would have stuck with music back in the day. And, um, I just had that voice in my head for so long. And finally, after, and this is making like a, a long story, somewhat short, after, you know, a, a long time of, of thinking about it, I finally decided like, yo, like, I, I want to do this. Like, I'm going to dive in and actually give this a try. Starting from ground zero, no music training whatsoever, no nothing, literally just YouTube university. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And um, yeah, and that that's basically where I got my start. Um you know, officially, I would say like 2017 is when I really started to take it seriously to the point where I knew I wanted to do it for a career. And then 2018 is when I started actually trying to monetize it and, you know, sell beats online and try to get placements and that kind of stuff. Nice. Yeah. I was going to, I was going to ask you a little more about like the quitting the corporate job. I right now have a corporate job. Um, and I, I'm at a place where I'm like, man, I do not want to be doing this. I'd rather be going all in on the beat beat business. So I've been trying to figure that out. As you know, it's like it it's a mountain to climb. I think you even mentioned that in an interview earlier a couple of weeks back. But it's such it's such a like it's there's no just like flipping the switch and you're saying, OK, I'm going to do this right now. Um, but you did it. You made the leap. So I was going to ask you, like how, like what all went into that decision? How hard was it? Like, did your family think, were they like, what are you doing? Were your friends like, are you really doing this? What's going on here? So. Yeah. So basically what happened was that job that I alluded to that had the long commute. Um, I, I was just at the end of my rope with it and I got hit up by a recruiter for another job that was significantly closer to my house. Right. So I decided to quit that job, start this new job, I hated the new job more than the old job by a lot. But the thing about that first job was it was very well paying. It was a sales job. So like the the potential for a lot of income is there. So I was able to amass a pretty substantial nest egg during my time there um, to the point where if I wanted to take like a year off or two years off, I could do it and like be okay. Um, awesome. So when I got to the second job, I think I lasted like two and a half months and I was like, screw this, man. Like, this is awful. Like I'm, I'm quitting. I don't know when I'm going to work again. And that was before I even made the decision to actually like do music. That was, yeah. that, this is probably like early 2017. I think it was like March, 2017. Um, so I was like, at that point I was opening up logic here and there messing around, but didn't even think that it was going to be like, uh, like my full time thing just yet. But uh, so basically that that's the the origin story of it. I dove in like way too early, like way before, you know, they say like you want your side hustle to at least match your your normal jobs income before you think about quitting. I disregarded yeah. that entirely and was just like, look, I have this nest egg. I'm unhappy. Like, let's try to find the, you know, the pathway to fulfillment in life. That's basically what it boiled down to. And so I just lived off my savings. 
while I tried to figure it out. And every day it was like, I was starting to make music a little bit more, starting to make music a little bit more. And it just kind of snowballed. And before you know it, it was like, damn, this is it. This is my passion. This is how I should have felt about acting right back in the day. But I didn't, I didn't have that fire for it whatsoever. And that's kind of how I always knew that I was on the right track because of how much I loved what I was doing. Even before I was making any money whatsoever from it and just basically living off savings, uh, I was like, it doesn't even matter. Like, this is what I want to do. I'm going to find a way to make it work. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, so like what, what does your, your, like for me, the ultimate dream is like, I, I don't really care about placements. Like placements would be cool, but for me, the ultimate dream is just the freedom of, you know, Monday morning, send my kids off to school. My wife has to go to her job. I just get to come downstairs in the basement studio, have a cup of coffee at work on beats. Like to me, that is like the mountaintop. Um, what is like, what is your average day look like for, for you, for someone that's doing it full time? Yeah. I mean, um, that's basically my mountaintop as well. Like where I know that, that, that I'll never have to go back to an office job whatsoever. Like that, like I'm so yeah. traumatized from the office that, <laughs> that that is really like the end goal for me as well. Although I also want to get placements and stuff, but yeah, I mean, every day is kind of different. I, I have a, uh, a Google calendar that I, that kind of runs my entire life and I have, you know, various tasks every day that I must accomplish before I can go to sleep. Um, the funny thing is the only thing that I don't actually schedule into the Google calendar is the time that I make beats because I am so um, forced to go with the flow when it comes to my creative energy. It's really strange. And I don't know if you can speak to this as well, just like from your creative process, but my creativity really comes in waves and there's no mm -hmm. telling when it's going to happen. So it's, it's been very difficult for me to like schedule, okay, I'm going to wake up at this time, I'm going to go to the gym, and then I'm going to make beats from this time to this time. Like that's, I've tried that and it's never worked for me, interestingly enough. So I have these other more menial tasks, you know, whether that's making a YouTube video or creating TikTok content, which I'm doing so much of at this point, or reaching out to artists on SoundCloud or Instagram or wherever, you know, trying to find new artists to, to link with. Um, sending out loop packs. I mean, there's like a, a number of these, like, you know, somewhat tedious day-to-day -day tasks that I just kind of add to the calendar on various days. And, and that's how I organize my whole life essentially. And then whenever I get that urge, that creative urge to stop what I'm doing and make beats, I do just that. I stop whatever I'm doing and I, I ride that wave for as long as it's there. And how that's ended up working is I usually get about a beat, I at least start working on a beat basically every single day. Um, and usually I'll end up posting lately. I've been slacking on this just because I've been going so ham with TikTok, which we can talk about. But um, yeah. typically I, I get about uh, three to five beats actually posted every single week. And that's been like a, a very sustainable rhythm for me over the past few years. Yeah, that's pretty good. Um, that's definitely a good pace. What was I going to say? So yeah, that's your, that's your average day. I had a thought there. Oh, is what you're saying about the kind of the creative, um, energy that kind of comes and goes. I a hundred percent agree with that. For me, it's, it's usually like when I'm dead, 
like dead tired, exhausted. There's just like nothing there. Like nothing sounds good to me. It could be, you know, the best piano melody ever. And I'm just not going to like it. And I'm going to waste two hours trying to fix it. Um, so I, I kind of do the same thing, not to, not to the full extent that you're doing, but it's more, okay, I've started this beat. I have no creative juice left. I'm going to stop working on the beat right now. I'm going to start working on like the thumbnail or, you know, something else to support the beat. So I totally get that. It's, it's, there's no point in forcing it if it's not there. Cause although you may finish it, it, it will probably turn out like crap. Right. Yeah. There's like no life in it at that point. You know, yeah. I know exactly what you mean. So yeah, that's, that's a good way to manage it. I th- I'm sure a lot of producers kind of go through the same thing. Um, so wanted to get into, wanted to get right into it, get into the beat promotion. Cause I've seen your videos, man. You, you look like you've done it all, you know? So like Google search, Facebook, YouTube, uh, SE, SEO organic search, which I, you are the first producer I've seen, um, bring that up. I've seen like, I've also taken like the Robin Wesley course, which I think is very helpful. And he goes into a lot about, um, you know, organic, um, content, what does he call it? Content marketing. Yeah. So I've seen that, but yours was the first video where you actually went to, you know, to try to hire an outside company that specializes in it. Yeah. But, um, wanted mainly to talk about like, so there's so many different ways you could go about promoting your, your beat business. What you've done it all. What, what is, what has been most successful for you? What is your kind of bread and butter? Yeah. So the bread and butter for me has always been Google search ads coupled with Facebook retargeting ads. So I bring cold traffic to my website from Google search ads. So people going to Google typing in things like rap beats for sale, where can I buy trap beats, etc. right? Things like that. My website pops up, they come to my site. Um, on the site, there is a, a Facebook pixel, which tracks those people. And then I can set up Facebook ads to remarket to just those specific people who have been to my site. And uh, I've found that combination to be the most successful by far of any paid or unpaid um, avenue to drive traffic and sales to my business. I think, I think when you first, when you first did your like first Google search ad video, I, I tested it out. Um, but I didn't, I didn't follow up with like the Facebook retargeting ads. So maybe that was the piece I was missing. It, it definitely got traffic to the site. It was expensive though. It's, I, I, I put in my notes, like when you do Google, Google search, I feel like this is, you're putting on the big boy pants cause it's, <laughs> it's expensive. Yeah. Um, 100%. But, but obviously the targeting is probably the most accurate and, and the best you're going to get. Um, for that, so for the Google search Facebook combo, like I know usually it takes customers a little time to warm up to you. Using that combo, you know, for months on end, like how when did you start to see results where like you're where you start not even not even make a profit, but where you're starting to see money come back and get close to like breaking even? So it took a few months for me to get close to breaking even. I believe my first profitable month was either the eighth or ninth month. I think it was the eighth month that I was doing it. 
So it took a long time. Now, mind you, I wasn't spending thousands of dollars at that time per month. Mm-hmm. It was hundreds of dollars per month. And I was getting money back, um, but it wasn't enough to break even for the first, I believe, eight months. Um, however, I started to see sales like after the first couple of days of running uh, the Google search ads. And that was before I had the Facebook ad set up. I'd started just with the Google search ads. And so that gave me enough confidence and belief that, okay, this might actually work. Like the beats are mm-hmm. sellable. Let's try to optimize this. Let's try to get this to a point where it's profitable and scale this. And so I just stuck with it, continued to refine and learn more about how Google ads works and continue to slowly incrementally up the budget. I can't recall what the first month was where I broke even. I think there were two or three months where I was basically even before I finally hit that uh, profitability marker. And it wasn't a lot, you know, it was probably a couple hundred dollars. Um, And I think it was uh, mainly due to really expensive uh, exclusive sale that I just happened to get that month. But that just shows you like, you know, even if you're selling, you know, a uh, a $29 MP3 lease here and there, those people might end up coming back and purchasing an exclusive that could just, you know, make up for a month or two of of losses. Um, But I always made sure that I was going into it with the right mindset, a long-term mindset and and going into it knowing I'm probably going to lose money at first. And I feel like that mindset is essential to have any kind of success really with any business that you're trying to promote. I mean, most businesses are not profitable for the first few years in a mm-hmm. lot of instances. So it, you know, we're creative people as producers. We want to sit there and make beats all day and, you know, just be with the music, but we have to also approach this with an entrepreneurial mindset. You just have to. And I really think that that is essential for your success. You have to be a business person and a producer simultaneously at all times. Yeah, no, I 100% agree with that. And it's like, I'm at the point now where it's like the marketing side is where I'm stressing out because I'm always checking my numbers that, you know, is this working? Is that not working? But, you know, or Saturday mornings, that always is a spot where I know I'm going to have creative energy. So I set all that aside and it's like, building the beat, making the music, like that's, that's just like default for me. I I feel like I can just sit down and go and I know exactly what to do. Like I've done it so many times. I got that down. It's the marketing part that I'm always second guessing and be like, am I doing that right? Is this worth it? Um, so I a hundred percent agree. So I, some of the stuff that you just talked about, I'm, I'm going to come back to, but, um, I wanted to ask you about, Beat Stars promo because I just saw your uh, interview with Mike Trampy um, a little while back, and so the combination that you have Google search and Facebook retargeting ads, I'm not going to argue with that. That will probably be the most effective um, for Beat Stars promo. I've been dipping my toe in the water on that, and it's mainly because um, I was doing YouTube. Um, YouTube ads for a long time. And I've been getting away from that because they haven't been as effective. I'll, I'll talk a little bit about that later, but BeatStars promo seems to be doing okay for me. Um, but I, when you talk to Trampy, it sounded like you were kind of like, ah, I'm not so sure. Like what, what is your thoughts on BeatStars promo 
for me, I, I feel like it's the targeting on there isn't the best. And especially for me, I do like pop beats. Like if, for trap beats, it's probably better where you could just throw it up there on the site and chances are someone's going to like it. For me doing pop beats, um, I still promote. But the thing I like about it is if someone does click on it, they're all, usually they're already educated on how this whole thing works. Like you don't have to answer all the questions of, oh, you you could do an you know unlimited lease, or you could get a thirty dollars lease, or you could buy exclusive rights. Well, what does that mean? What do, the question I hate is when people start getting into the weeds about, well, what does fifty percent publishing mean? And, oh God, and, yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> you are you have two subscribers on your you know your <laughs> Spotify. I'm like, you are so far away from having to worry about publishing, but. So I I feel like BeatStars marketplace followers are pretty valuable in that sense and that they're there for a reason. They kind of know the drill. They're ready to buy. And I feel like if they're on there, they're kind of taking themselves serious as an artist. And you don't, there's not as much, hey, here's why you should do this. Here's why, you know, here's how you grow as an artist. Like there's not as much education. Um but wanted to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, definitely. And let me preface all of this by saying that um, Mike explained to me that they're in the process of revamping the entire BeatStars promo system. So uh, I can't speak to that, obviously. It's not out yet. I don't know what changes they're going to be making. So I can only speak to what's currently in existence. And I shy away from it pretty much entirely, primarily because, and I you know, I brought this up with Mike, my concern is I'm spending money to put my beats in front of other producers, right? Yeah. I am not convinced that there is enough traffic on BeatStars that's artists. I think the majority of BeatStars traffic is producers that are checking out other producers that are posting their beats, etc. right? I don't have the data. I can't give you an exact figure like, oh, mm-hmm. 80% are producers and 20% are artists. I don't know. And it probably fluctuates. And I don't even know if BeatStars has that data um, down, you know, completely dialed. But, you know, I, uh, I've, I've posted very consistently for several years now. And, you know, I get a handful of, of sales from the marketplace here and there. Like, and it's actually dropped off in recent months for whatever reason. But at its peak, maybe like five sales a month from the marketplace, right? It, it it constitutes a very small percentage of my overall sales. And that just, to me, like was evidence that, you know, most of these people that are checking out my profile, most of the followers that I'm getting from the BeatStars marketplace are just other producers. And when you get a yeah. follower and you click on their profile, you know, and I've done this. Like there was a time where I was like reaching out to every single follower that I got on beat on it on any, any platform really, but especially BeatStars to just try to start start up a conversation, especially if they were an artist. And bro, it was like the vast majority of them were producers, or there was nothing on their profile for me to tell one yeah. way or the other. Um, so that's the first problem. Second problem is there's no real detailed targeting. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's really just like you know, putting up a a billboard somewhere and hoping that rappers walk by and see your billboard. You know what I'm saying? Like it is, it's throwing some, something up against the wall pretty much. It's right. 
Um, <clears throat> so that's that's kind of the second issue. The tar the the targeting is not detailed. You can't fine tune it. And then uh, on the other side, you can't track conversions either. Like it it won't tell you mm-hmm. if your your campaign resulted in a sale or not. So even if you get a sale from the marketplace, there's no way to be sure if it actually came from the ad or if it came organically or if it came from your website and somebody came back a month later and Googled you and BeatStars was the first thing that came up and they bought it that way. You know what I'm saying? So like, yeah, to me, it's not worth it. Yeah. So to me, it's not worth putting in a substantial amount of money, not allocating you know, the, the majority of your marketing budget monthly to that at this time. Now, again, that could change, that could evolve. That's my opinion on it. Now, having said that to play devil's advocate, apparently there are at least a handful of top producers who rely almost entirely on BeatStars promo. The most notable example that I can think of off the top of my head is Anyway Well. Yeah, It's two cats from Russia, I think. And uh, they were interviewed by DJ Payne One, and they explained that they spend thousands of dollars a month just on BeatStars promo, and that's like their entire marketing budget and and enterprise is just BeatStars promo. And they've been consistently, you know, amongst the top sellers for several years. So, you know, I I don't know. I think yeah. like the the takeaway here. And this is what I try to tell, like I get hit up all the time. People asking me advice, <clears throat> excuse me, advice about the ads and, and this and that. And I, I try to always just kind of reiterate, like there are so many different ways to climb this mountain and different techniques are just going to work differently for different people. And I don't know why that is, you know what I mean? But that all I can do is report my experiences, and I've actually spent money on BeatStars promo, very, uh, you know, uh, modest amounts here and there to just kind of test the waters. And I, I got some likes and some comments. I, I put it on one beat in particular that's a bestseller, but you know, I, I didn't notice any uptick in sales or, or anything to that effect from it. So at this point, I would advise to, uh, you know, kind of stay away from it. But I love BeatStars. I'm not trying to throw shade in any capacity. I think that they're going to fine tune it and make some improvements and then it, it might yeah, become yeah. a more viable strategy for more producers. As, as like a pop guy, I, I'm like, if they, if they would allow me to like promote on the pop like playlist or wherever you search for those beats, like that would be gold. I would, oh, yeah. I would totally put a ton of money down for that. Yeah. Um, Cause I mean, that's a, so much of a smaller niche on beat stars than say trap. I did a video recently where I analyzed the top 100 best selling beats on the charts by genre. I broke it down by like genre, by the price of the least types, uh, a bunch of different, um, you know, categories to, to analyze. And I mean, there were a few acoustic guitar beats on there, just like a handful that would, I suppose, constitute pop, but it was still dominated by trap and, um, yeah, back and I, R&B. I think I saw that. I, like one of my first episodes when it was just like audio only of this podcast, I, I brought up, I pulled up your results and I talked through them. And oh I'm yeah. Like, that's cool. I'm like, pop. Uh, I think it was like six, 5% or something. I'm like, uh, yeah, not that encouraging, but you know, but at the same going. time it could be because then there's less competition. It's a smaller, you know, market share, but at the same yeah. time, there's a lot less producers doing that niche. So that actually I think could work to your advantage. That um, 
Matthew, Matthew May guy, he's hundred percent pop and he's only like 22 and, and he, um, or 20 years old, but he, uh, I think he's made like 150 K in two years on pop music wow. and he doesn't promote, he doesn't even promote it's, it's mainly like through YouTube and stuff like yeah. that. Um, so let's, let's talk about, I saw the recent video that you did with uh, Ryan from heat. I was going to ask you about 50 K in sales, but apparently it looks like you're up to a hundred K in sales now. First off, congrats. That's an amazing accomplishment. Thank um, you. In that, in that interview, you mentioned that you're, you know, you're reinvesting all your profits back into the beat business. You know, when do you think you'll get to a point where you're, I mean, I imagine it, you'll always be reinvesting a little bit, but when do you think you'll get to a point where, where you'll be able to kind of give yourself a salary <laughs> and still still in, invest in the business? That's the million dollar question, my guy. I, I, I wish I knew. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that's why I really went hard with uh, SEO and trying to rank organically because that you know, if you can rank on the first page of Google organically for the keywords that I pay to rank for now, you know, my profitability will skyrocket, right? Anyone's yeah. profitability would skyrocket if, if you can reach those pages. So, um, you know, hopefully then I'm, I'm working my way there. I've made very small incremental steps towards that. It's a long game. Like it's, it, it's crazy how long it can take to get your website to rank on Google. But that, I think that that's kind of the, the reason why I pivoted and really focused on organic in order to, you know, hopefully like increase the profit margins substantially and, um, you know, just kind of see where that goes. And then the, the other good thing about that is even if you turn your ads, like when you turn your ads off, you're no longer ranking there instantly, right? But once you yeah. get to the first page of Google organically, it's really hard to knock you off of that. Like you're pretty much solidified there for the foreseeable future. So then that opens up, you know, so much more money that I can spend on other things, you know, more equipment and more plugins and, and this and that, which I do already. But, um, and then, you know, obviously can maybe like actually keep some more per month um, for myself and, you know, can the, can the ads, can the ads alone get you to eventually rank on the, the search um, no. so results organically or is it? It's pretty much two different worlds. Um, mm -hmm. However, the people who click on the ads can help your organic search ranking indirectly if they stay on your site for a long time, interact with the stuff on your site, read your blog posts, stay mm -hmm. on the page right? That indicates to Google that the content that you have on your website is of high quality and that helps you rank higher. Um, so in that way, yes, but just by like running ads and, and having a certain amount of people on your site because of the ads, that has no impact on your ranking whatsoever. It comes down to uh, basically a couple different uh, components. And I, I've learned this by hiring this company, it was a very, very expensive lesson that I have now learned. But basically, it comes down, once you have the website built out and optimized to look good in the eyes of Google, which we can talk about uh, in, in more detail, once you have that solidified, 
the two components that matter the most is number one, constantly refreshing content in the form of high quality blog posts that uh, address questions that your target audience may have, right? So for instance, one of my blog posts is Beat Leasing Explained, the ultimate guide to buying beats online, et cetera. So like keyword rich, high quality blog posts that address a need for your potential customer, number one. Number two, backlinks. Which websites on the internet are referring back to your site? Google looks at these as basically cosigns, right? And not Mm -hmm. all backlinks are created equally. If I have CNN.com linking to my website, it's going to rank me a lot quicker than if my uncle's birdwatching website links to me. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. it, all of them help, but the it's called like domain authority, I believe is like the actual term. The higher the domain authority of the site that's linking to you, the quicker you will rise the ranks and the, just the more effect it will have. So, um, and there's like different kinds of backlinks. There's follow links versus no follow links. And it gets very convoluted, but big picture, those are the two uh, main factors that influence your organic Google ranking. As I understand it right now, it's always changing and evolving because Google's always updating their algorithms and this and that. But uh, that's basically what it boils down to. And uh, it's just the more, the better, right? Like more, the more blog posts, the better, and the more backlinks you can get, the better. And obviously the higher their domain authority, even better. The, uh, like when I, when I hear you talk about that, like the blog posts, I say to myself, I'm like, okay, I think I could do that. I, you know, I'm, I'm pretty good, pretty good writer at writing copy. I'm like, I can make it interesting enough, make it, you know, make sure it's keyword rich. And as far as, you know, time in my week, I could probably carve out some time to do that. But like the backlinks thing, like I would have no clue where to start. Like how do you even approach someone about that? Like do you go to Abe at BeatStars and be like, hey, dude, will you uh, backlink me on your your website? Like I should start with there. (laughs) I should hit them up. Um, So that's a great question. I mean there's no exact science to it, right? That's partially why I hired this company because they promised like, oh, we'll get you these backlinks or whatever. But what they don't tell you is the backlinks that they get you are just these low quality, generic business directory sites, many of which are no follow, which do not provide you with the same SEO juice as a follow link. So it's that's, that's the biggest challenge, right? Um, there's a couple things that you can do to try to like even the playing, excuse me, even the playing field a bit. There's a service called HARO, H-A-R-O, and it stands for help a reporter out. And you can sign up for this and you will get hit up by, uh, there's like all of these listings for these stories that are being written in all different categories of life, right? There's business stuff, there's health stuff, music stuff occasionally, where Reporters are looking for a quote from an expert in whatever industry they happen to be writing about. And you can submit a pitch for yourself to be included in the articles that they're writing in exchange for a backlink. So that is something that I've signed up for. The problem is there's really not a whole lot of music stuff. So it's very few and far between where I'm able to actually submit a pitch for one of these listings. Um, but that is one thing that the SEO company did put me onto, which I think is useful. But um, 
Yeah, I think I got one link out of it so far, and it it was like indirectly related to my my um, music business. It was actually relating to my acting career. <laughs> some some online magazine was doing stories on like former actors or something. I'm like, oh my god, this is perfect. There you, you know? go. Hey, yeah. Anyway, so anyway, that just like happened. Yeah. So like that that one just happened to work out. Um, but it's a challenge, but like, if you go on Fiverr, right, there are people that that's their whole gig. Like they'll help you build backlinks and I don't know exactly how they do it. And I don't know the, uh, the domain authority of the sites that they're able to put you on and it can get really, you know, cloudy and there's whole like link farms that are frowned upon by Google where that people just create websites with a bunch of different links to random sites and that can get you flagged and, and, uh, yeah. blacklisted essentially. So you want to stay away from that. So you got to be careful, but there are uh, resources out there like Haro and like, you know, people on Fiverr to not only build those backlinks, but also, uh, write blog posts for you. And so that's basically what I'm transitioning to now, instead of paying a giant premium to have this company do this for me, I'm going to, hire freelancers directly to to do these services for me going forward for a fraction of what I was paying. And yeah. uh, I'm in the process of implementing that now for the long term. Cool. Cool. Yeah. No, I mean, I think ultimately that's where, where you want to be at. Like I, I know in the Robin uh, Wesley courses, um, he talks, talks about content marketing and stuff like that. And that's been helping him um, which is the blog post, right? right. That's helping him exactly. rank organically. And, you know, I think he was the first producer I've ever heard say that. I was kind of like, what? What's this? Yeah, that's so. what put me on. I mean, I knew about SEO and stuff from my previous job where I was selling websites to business owners. So I kind of had like a big picture understanding of it. But yeah, I, I bought his course like pretty early on and it, I found it very helpful as well. Uh, I, I can't speak highly enough of Robin and yeah, that, that kind of like got me in the mode of like, okay, I need to create blog posts and try to get, you know, um, this content marketing thing going <laughs> as opposed to yeah. just like, you know, Facebook ads and, and Google ads marketing. Yep. Um, so sticking on promotion, this is something I want to add, get your thoughts on. So like, um, as, as I dabble in the promotion, like, in like any profits I get back, I'm this on a much smaller scale, any profits I get back, I'm, I'm putting back into the, the beat business. Um, it almost feels like monopoly money. Like when, when you get a sale, it doesn't feel real. It's right. like, okay. In, in, in your eyes, like, do you think to be successful with promotion, do you kind of have to have like a gambler's mentality where if something's working, you got to, you know, push your pot in and go all in on it. Like, I don't know. Like, can you, can you ever break through saying, okay, I'm only going to do, you know, 50 bucks a week or something like that, or, you know, a hundred bucks a month. Is that not going to do it? Do you at some point have to go all in and really make a push to break through? Yeah. I mean, you're not going to be able to sustain your lifestyle spending a hundred dollars a month on ads. You, you know yeah. what I mean? Like you, the goal needs to be scaling it and, and scaling it as, as far as possible. Yeah. And, you know, so you, you have to be, and, and this is easier to do with Facebook ads. You have to constantly be looking at your ROAS, your return on ad spend. 
right? And as long as it's above one, you want it to be as high above one as possible, right? But mm-hmm. one is break even, right? So if you're 1.5, right? Or two, if your ROAS is two, you're doubling your money, right? That'd be like amazing. Then then it doesn't matter. You put all the money in. And if it keeps going like that, you, you can yeah. spend money forever, right? Like, so that's, that's what you kind of have to be uh, going into it with. Uh, always thinking about scaling and yeah. So I, I mean, yeah, I, I try to push my chips into all into the table all the time. You know, I think that's, that's a mental hurdle. Like I know I've had, had a challenge getting over in cause you know, you make 500, 500 bucks outside of this producer world. You're like, Holy shit. I got, if you won like 500 bucks from like a scratch off or something, you'd be like, Holy shit, that's, that's good. But in this producer world, it's like the money almost doesn't feel real. And I think a hurdle for myself and a lot of other producers is you have to get comfortable with spending that and, you know, not, I don't want to say not treating it as real money, but get comfortable with making sure you're pushing that back into the business. And yeah, because it's it's the entrepreneurship mindset. It goes back to that. That's what it is. You have to be, you, you shouldn't be holding your money in cash regardless. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it should be, whether you're talking about just your personal assets or for your business or whatever, especially yeah. these days with inflation going crazy, it makes no sense to have your money in cash. You have to have it invested in other assets. And in, in the case of entrepreneurs, you know, back into the business, you, you yeah. just have to, you know what I mean? Um, and that's, yeah, I, I think you're right. I think it is a mental hurdle for a lot of people and it requires sort of like a, a shift in perspective, but it's very powerful once you make that shift and start thinking like a business person. You know what I mean? Yep. Treat it like a business. Um, so email, like when I heard your numbers, 50, 50K in sales, 100K in sales, the first thing that ran through my head is what does an email look like after a hundred email list look like after a hundred K in sales, like my email list is trash. (laughs) I get like, like, yeah, I get like no, uh, like, I mean, not no, but like I get very few sales from my email list. Do you have like a high, high count though? Just no, not even, not even. I have like a big part of my business is return customers. Like a big part, like maybe like 30% of my business is, is return customers. And then additionally, I get a lot of sales outside of, beat stars because like you alluded to earlier in the conversation a lot of people have follow-up questions they don't understand the um the whole process of leasing beats what does it mean to lease a beat right so a lot of this requires outside communication via you know dm or text or, or whatever the case may be and then oftentimes those lead to um payments just straight through like paypal or Venmo or Cash App. So I get a lot of sales that way as well. Outside. And I'm I've truthfully just been too lazy to like import that information into MailChimp, you know, yeah. every time I get like an outside sale or something like that. And and the reason is like I said, like I <laughs> the the cold emails that I've got from like giving away free beat packs, trash. Even like when I reach out to my current customers, it's hard to make them purchase on the spot. They have to be good and ready. You know what I mean? And that might take months in between. There's people that come back every few months. And if I hit them up in between those cycles, they're just, they're not in the mindset 
to be writing at that time or whatever the case may be. So I have it all set up like perfectly with MailChimp as best as you can with MailChimp. And I, I still send out you know, promotional emails periodically. And I have a really nice after sales sequence uh, that mm. I'm pretty proud of because it like the tone of the emails are very conversational to the point where they don't, they can't tell that it's a, an auto email. And I get like a lot mm. of responses that way, which is great for building that relationship with the people that are using my beats, which I think is the most important thing for the long run is building relationships with these people, looking at them as actual artists to grow with, as opposed to just dollar figures that you're getting from them. You know what I'm saying? I think that's yep. like very short-sighted. Um, so that's good. But in terms of it actually generating sales for me, like, no, I, for whatever reason, that's just like one of those things for me, like email marketing has not been very useful in terms of getting consistent sales. It's, um, yeah, I, I have like the automated sequences set up. I, I did a lot of that last year. Um, but it's, it's my one, one area that I neglect a lot. Like I, I, I need to do it more where I'm just reaching out, not in an automated way, just sending out an email and touching base and stuff like that. Um, usually I'm only doing it for say like, you know, holiday sale and stuff like that. And yeah, same. I'm sure they, there's like usually like four, the same four people that open every time for those and that's <laughs> it. Uh, so I, I definitely got to work on that also. Um, let's see. All right. Let's, Let's talk YouTube a little bit here. So you do, um, you have your producer YouTube channel and I've been following it, you know, for a while now, saw the journey. You started out posting type beats as well. And then it kind of moved into producer content. Um, first off, I guess, which, well, I guess you do both. So this is kind of a dumb question, but which do you prefer? Do you prefer selling beats to artists or do you enjoy you know, creating content for the producer community? <laughs> the short answer is selling beats to artists. The longer answer is still selling beats to artists, but I love being able to help people come up with me. You know what I'm saying? And share the knowledge that I have. And whenever somebody reaches out and says, yo, like this video was super helpful. Like I really appreciate it. Like that's awesome. Right. Yeah. That's, that's so cool to be able to contribute in a tiny, tiny way to the producer community as a whole, and just to be part of that makes me super excited. But as I said earlier, I hate being on camera. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be the guru guy, right? I don't want to make a fucking course to sell people. No offense to Robin and anybody that does that. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm, I'm like, I, I would rather be like Metro Boomin. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Murder yeah. Beats, right? Like, that ultimately, like long term, is what I want more than being like the the YouTube producer guy. You know what I'm yeah. saying? However, I'm like a big Gary Vee disciple. Same and here. he always talks about, you know, document your journey. Don't worry about creating content. Document and put as much stuff out as possible. And so that's basically the uh, where the the origin story of the in front of the camera stuff really started. It's just me documenting my journey and helping people on the way, you know, hopefully giving them shortcuts, the stuff that I had to research and figure out and trial and error and spend a bunch of money on my own because the information wasn't out there. You know, I'm hopefully I can provide that to the people coming up behind me. So not that I'm like 
super far in my opinion, but just the people that are just starting out essentially. I'm trying to help those people. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, and 100%. So that so that's really cool and and rewarding and I'm hopeful that you know, I've met so many cool producers just from making this content and I get loops. I get so many loops now from all over like daily just like more than I can know what to do with. And that's like such a cool blessing. I've collaborated with some really dope producers and you know, hopefully Maybe somebody that's watching my video might be the next Metro Boomin or whatever. And, you yeah. know, that that could turn into something. Or the next, you know, uh, Q-Beats or something. One of these loop makers. You know what I'm saying? Like, who knows, right? So it's good from that point. It's still kind of is uh, useful for my ultimate goal in kind of an indirect way. But also just generating value for the producer community is cool, for sure. And and it's it's slowly very slowly a lot slower than i would like but it's slowly gaining momentum and the tiktok is going crazy which i am just at a complete loss for but yeah that has really kind of sped things up too which is cool um at least for now we'll see how long it lasts let's 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 talk about the tiktok um i have one more thing on youtube i was going to come back to but sure so so tiktok um i've seen some of your your i don't know where i saw it It may have been a a post somewhere, but it sounds like you've been killing it on there. And I, I myself have am reluctant, reluctant, hesitant to jump on there. It sounds like you were too, but you went all in and it sounds like it's really working. Tell us about that. Yeah, man. All in is right. I post like three times a day right now. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's so nuts. And I was just like you, just like everybody out there that's probably listening to this. That's just like, Oh God, TikTok's so cringy. It's just little kids dancing. Like, what is this? Right? Like, yeah. that's the stereotype. And for a long time, I think it was relatively accurate. But now it is really, really exploding. And there's content on there for everybody. But interestingly enough, music producers specifically have been slow to adapt to it. So yeah. while it's certainly still possible to make great progress and and make a living from YouTube, um, it is a lot easier to grow a lot faster and get your your music and your content seen by way more people in a way short shorter amount of time on TikTok right now. For instance, I think in like the last uh, sixty days, I've gotten like one point five million views oh on TikTok. Gosh. So, like in just a couple months that I've been doing this, it has far exceeded. All of the other platforms I've been trying to build on combined by like several orders of magnitude. <laughs> wow, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It, it's like, it's ridiculous. Um, so yeah, so it's working. What, That's, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, so is that, is that for, is that, are, you're the kind of content I've seen in your shorts. It's, it seems like it's a lot for the producer audience is are you also doing content for like artists like to capture their attention too? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm doing a blend. The thing with TikTok is it's different from YouTube and the other platforms where the algorithm judges each individual video on its own, right? So mm -hmm. like they don't take into account your following, the amount of followers that you have. They don't take into account the subject matter necessarily. All they take into account is if it's a good video and how's that watch time? Like is somebody watching the entire video, 50%, whatever. And based on those metrics, that's what really determines whether or not your content gets pushed out to a wider and wider audience. So um, I'm doing both. 
basically. I'm doing some music content and some uh, producer-related content. Basically, I'm just throwing a bunch of shit against the wall and see what sticks and then doubling down on the stuff that works. Right now, the most successful piece of content or series of content that I've stumbled upon, I do the series called um, Websites Every Music Producer Should Know. And I think I'm on part like 27 or something. And I've seen the the shorts on YouTube, which I, I figured that you were also posting on TikTok. Yeah, right. And we can talk about that as well momentarily. But um, that like a, the first few of those did like phenomenally well. So I'm just making that like a long-term series. People seem to dig it. I do beat breakdowns. A few of those have done well. Um, showing people like, <laughs> this kind of backfired. I got some hate for it, which I kind of understand like in retrospect. I did like some breakdowns of like, oh, like guess how much I sold this beat for? And I played like a snippet of a beat that I sold exclusively. And then mm-hmm. I had different dollar figures on the screen and in- individually they would disappear one by one to try to get people to like watch it to the end. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And it's, then like- That reminds me of like uh, the movie trivia. Exactly. That's exact. That's literally exactly the thought process. Um, and so I did a few of those, but people are hating so hard. Like I've never got hate before on anything that I've ever done really. Like, you know, maybe just a handful of comments here and there, but like it, that triggered some people, I guess. Why, I don't know. Why were they hating just? Well, they, I think like, I mean, if we want to talk about like the psychology of it, I think they were just like triggered because I think, well, there's a couple of things. First of all, I think I unintentionally came off as sort of braggadocious with it, which was a hundred percent, not what I was trying to do. I was trying like the whole point of any content that I make and any dollar figure that I share publicly is to motivate people and to be like, look, if I can do this, then you for sure can do this. Like it's so possible, right? Like that's the place that I'm always coming from, but it's hard to convey that in a 20 second little clip or whatever. So it, it, it might've come off the wrong way to some people. They're like, this beat sucks. How'd you sell it for such and such figure? Blah, blah, blah. Shit like that. Like, like crazy. I'm like, all right, I'll fall back from that beat. guy. Huh? The guy that bought the, the exclusive is like, what the hell, man? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. So like, but you know, interestingly enough, like those do well. So even drumming up like negativity and not that I'm recommending this necessarily, but like it can be effective in getting engagement. Take that for what you will. I'm, shying away from it at this point. But, um, but the point is like, yeah, you can grow really fast on it. You can post a bunch of different types of content and there's no telling what's going to catch fire. Just like with your beats, like you can never really predict which beat is going to be a bestseller. I'm constantly wrong about which beats I think are going to be the bestsellers. Yeah. And it's the same thing. It's the same thing on TikTok. Um, and the cool thing is, as you said, I also post those same videos to YouTube and to Instagram reels because right now, the organic reach on those three platforms is far and away the the best out there that you can get without paying for ads. So I literally just post the same videos three times on the three different platforms. So that, that was, okay, TikTok, YouTube Shorts, and Instagram Reels. Right. Got it. All all short form content. Yeah. yeah. Short form no, is I, the wave, bro. It's the I've wave been, right now. I've been, oh man, I gotta, I gotta be more active on TikTok. I've, I've, the hardest part is just trying to figure out, all right, how do I want to approach this? And maybe I need to stop thinking and just push it out there. That's um, that's exactly what you have to do. That's the only way yeah. to do it. I, Bro, you don't understand how hard it was for me to start 
doing that shit especially because like holding the camera this close to my face like i like all of the angles that i've tried desperately to avoid showing on instagram for years it's now unavoidable (laughs) you know like i look so awful from like from so close it's just oh my god but you just you just got to dive in the the deep end you know what i'm saying like you got to rip the band-aid off and then once you do and once you start getting results which can happen instantaneously then it becomes a lot easier because now you're getting these dopamine hits you know yeah. with all this engagement and it's like oh fuck now i'm addicted to it you know what yeah. i'm saying yep exactly. which is another whole can of worms that's bad because it can be counterproductive you can waste a lot of time just mindlessly scrolling on there but um you know if you can stay focused and just remember that it's you know for a, a bigger purpose for your beat business and your just career in general as a music producer, it's it it's the most powerful platform that exists for now. And I don't believe it's going to last forever because I think they're just going to just ruin it like they did to Facebook and Instagram, where they're going to take away the organic reach. You're going to it's going to be pay to play. You're going to have to pay for these ads, um, and that's how they're going to continue to up their revenue. And I, you know, yeah, I'm surprised it hasn't happened already. It seems like they got their ad system up and running. I yeah, think, it's uh, there for sure. Yeah. But I think they're going to ratchet it up even more. Yeah, you know? that's all right. Something else will come along. Something. Yeah, will for come sure. But like, it. you know, how long is that going to be? You know, it might be another yeah. five, ten years before that happens. So, point being, I encourage everybody to start posting on there ASAP. Figure it out. Yeah. No, I got to do that. One, one. The thing that eats up most of my time is. Um, just one creating the beats and then just this, this it's ingrained in my head that I have to get these beats up on YouTube every week, you know, two times a week and just get them up. So that always defaults to my main focus of, or I don't have time to do anything else. I got to get like a robot. I got to get these beats up on YouTube, but I wanted to talk to you about restarting the YouTube channel Cause dude, I am at a point where I am considering doing the same. Um, my channel, like I, I started a couple of years ago and I, I decided like a long time ago, I, I tried like the Google search a little bit. I tried the Facebook ads and I, I don't even remember how I got to this answer, but I, I went all in on YouTube, um, ads and it grew my subscribers. Well, like Views, obviously, yes. Sus- subscribers, yes. And I, I was even at a point where even the videos that I wasn't putting any ads on, they're still doing pretty decent and, and like decent for a young channel. Like I could, I could get you know, five hundred to a thousand on an organic video. Like that was good for me. But I don't know. So at some point along the way, like six months ago, it just like fell off, and then. At the start of this year, I, I kind of reorganized how I was doing the ads. I'm like, let me try this again. Let me try a new approach. Even the ads weren't working. Like, and so now I'm at a point where I'm like detoxing my main beat channel from any YouTube ads. And when I say detox, it's not only not doing any ads, but it's like I got to get my channel down to zero for YouTube to see that it can grow again. Because right now everything says, you know, Usually you have this many views right now. You only have this many views. Yeah. I need, I need to get YouTube on the page where it's saying, okay, you're this low. This is your starting point, And now you're starting to grow again. But with that said, I, 
I'm so frustrated by it. I'm thinking of restarting a YouTube channel with the beat catalog I've built up. Um, and that way I could post more often. I know you did this and it hasn't gone as well as you would have liked it to. That's putting it very mildly. Thank you. (laughs) Like, what are your thoughts on that? Like, I I feel, are you past it? Like, are you, are you on, on the bigger and better things like focusing on TikTok, or are you still trying to get that beat channel to grow? I mean, in the long run, at some point, I'm definitely going to revisit it in a more focused, regular capacity. Um, But for now, I've essentially abandoned it like on a day to day basis because like, you know, I I don't know if you've seen these videos that I did, but I I posted damn near like 130 days straight on this new channel using my all my my old catalog and got nowhere. I, I made a point to not run any ads. Like I wanted to do it entirely organically and just like see how it works. And yeah, bro, like, and these, like, these aren't my throwaway beats. Like they get sales. So like, I don't think mm-hmm. they're trash. Like hopefully not. So I'm, you know, I, I think ultimately what the problem is, and this is just the way that it is. I don't make pop beats, right? I don't make old school boom bap beats or 90s R&B beats. I make trap beats. I make the most saturated genre that's on YouTube. And that just happens to be what I enjoy making the most that I'm passionate about that gets me excited to wake up and make beats. It just happens to be what everyone else is also trying to do. (laughs) You know what I mean? And so I, I think that's probably why YouTube has been such a challenge for me specifically, despite having the metadata dialed, having TubeBuddy and vidIQ and making sure, you know, I'm finding keywords that according to those platforms have high search volume, but low competition. Um, Because ultimately I'm still using keywords that I think are just flooded, man. Like, cause I don't want to mislabel my beats, right? Like if it's Mm -hmm. a gunna type beat, like I'm not going to call it something else. Like it's a gunna type beat that, you know, like, and that's just what I make, you know, or little baby or future. Obviously that's like the, that that's the placement I'm trying to manifest the most. Um, so I'm, I'm in the most, like the, the YouTube producer space is competitive as it is, right? I'm in the most competitive subcategory of that. And I mean, that, that's why I turned to digital ads. I wasn't gaining traction organically on YouTube. So I had to find an alternative to make it work. That was the, the, um, the birth of my entire journey to, you know, uh, figure out these ads. So, yeah, um, I think it's still possible. I just need to figure out different keywords to target maybe. Um, But like you said, after a while, it's such a grind to not only make the beat, but then post it all the time. The thing that I was doing with this new channel that I recommend you consider as well and anybody watching this, if you have a big catalog of beats stocked up that you haven't posted yet, invest in the paid version of Tunes to Tube. And it lets you schedule out your beats in advance, but each one is still only like a few seconds to do it as opposed to creating like a video file and then waiting Ah. for it to upload to YouTube, which takes forever, right? This you can crank out like several, um, you know, in a matter of minutes. And so what I was doing when I was doing that 130 day straight experiment, just the first day of every month, I was uploading 30 beats to Tunes to Tube and scheduling them out and then chilling 
You know what I mean? And just kind of yeah. analyzing the results. And then the first of the month rolls around. I did it again for the next month. And that way you're not bogged down. Your day-to-day workflow is not bogged down just posting to, yeah. to YouTube. You know what I'm saying? So if that is a route, I think it's certainly possible to still kill it on YouTube. Um, I just haven't cracked the code for whatever reason personally. Um, but if that is the route that you want to take, I definitely encourage you and anyone listening to find ways like the paid tunes to tube version where you're able to streamline your workflow and it's not becoming a drag or becoming monotonous where you might actually burn out and then your progress is going to cease. Yeah. I'll have to check that out. Cause that is a big pain in the ass, the uploading, um, cover art and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, when, in, like I'm actually, I actually felt a little jealous when you're like, all right, I just pushed to the YouTube channel aside, like to be able to stop that stress in, in you're still getting sales though. So it's like, you're like, Hey, I'm do I'm still doing this. I'm doing it. I never got YouTube. sales from YouTube. Really? Like I've never, yeah. as far as I can tell, you know, it's hard to track the conversions, but that's never been a huge revenue source for me. Yeah. And it feels like, like you hear, um, like DJ Payne one has said it. In fact, DJ Payne one, it was hidden in one of his, um, I th- he did like recently, like, a like an hour and a half long interview with Trampy and they were going through people's, um, pages and stuff like that. And, you know, given recommendations on how to improve, he, he mentioned it was only like for five or five second clip. He's like, Oh yeah, I started a second channel and I've seen some crazy results. And then they moved on to something else. And I, I sent him a message on the video. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, wait, what was that? What was that mm-hmm. about? You did a second channel. I'm like, and he's, he's responded saying, yeah, I might have to do a video on that. So mm-hmm. I'd be interested. But so like he said it, you hear a, a bunch of other producers say it. I think Omito beats has said it, but it almost feels like YouTube has like a life cycle in mind for your channel where they're going to, they're going to test you out and get behind you for a couple of years, but then who knows what the threshold is. If, if you're not producing or you're not blowing up to a certain, you know, ratio there, you're on your own. Uh, I don't know if that is the case. It feels that way. That's the annoying thing though. Like nobody knows. All of this is guesswork. They don't release the information about their algorithms whatsoever. So even our best educated guesses are still at the end of the day guesses, which is why for me, I just could not rely on some crazy AI program to determine the future and fate of my beat business. You know what I'm saying? So like- You're you're making a lot of sense. You're making a lot of sense right now. You don't want to have um, all your eggs in that basket, I think, unless it's working like like, uh, Matthew May, like clearly- for some people, it still works, especially if you have the 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 right niche where it's not quite as saturated and your stuff is quality. Like I yeah. said, it's still 100% possible to do it. I think at the end of the day, really, the, the lesson is just lean into whatever's what working, um, yeah. to whatever's working. You know what I'm saying? Like That's something that I also kind of learned from Gary Vee is I try to do my best to periodically self-audit my activities, my you know both just personally and with the music and just take stock what's working what's not working what what is bothering me what what am i enjoying doing and just lean into those things that are working that's going to be different for everybody right um but you have to be aware of that and you have to be ready and willing to pivot if 
you know, like for me, if you post 130 days straight and shit ain't working, like yeah. maybe look into something else. You know what I mean? Not to say, you know, abandon it entirely, which again, I don't plan on doing. I plan on returning to it at some point. But, um, you, you know, you want, you want to have multiple streams of, uh, of traffic and you want to just always be aware of what's working and just double down on those things. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, hundred percent. I, I just bought, um, the crushing it book. I've oh, it's been yeah? out for, for a couple yeah. of years now. I haven't read it yet, but I, my like my kids always want to go to Barnes and Nobles and usually I'm just walking around while they're looking at books and I saw it on the shelf. I'm like, you know what? I'm picking it up. Nice. And I just started it, but a lot of the content he talks about on the podcast, but it's still interesting. So sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, dude, Gary V. I don't know. I, I've mentioned him like three times already. Probably <laughs> like he's a big influence for sure. And no, just like I feel like just from list, well, I'd say it's a combination of two things, like listening to him and then also hearing about, you know, producers, online producers being successful and being able to do, to do this on their own. Like, I feel like my mindset has evolved into, you know, to a point where I'm like, oh man, I this corporate thing seems so pointless right now. I'm like, if I can do this and I don't know. I feel like my my mind is past that my my way of thinking. Yeah, no, I, I hear you, man. It it sucks. Like I hate it. It works for some people. Some people enjoy it. They like the stability and the security. I hate having a boss. I hate it. Yeah, I can't. I can't. I can't deal with it. You know what I mean? I'm with you. Um, all right, so you've dropped a ton of gems. You've answered a ton of questions. Um, I'll I'm going to let you go here here in a little bit, but just one last question. Where do you see Luke for Prez in five years? You mentioned you don't like being on camera and like I, one of my notes I had here is, have you ever considered a podcast? Cause like your interview with Trampy, those were some, some of the best questions I've ever seen an interview. Ask someone from beat stars, like, damn, thank ev- you. <laughs> every, everyone. I'm like, great question. Great question. <laughs> have you ever thought about thank doing you. like a podcast or anything like that? Yeah, well, you know, those interviews, I've done a few of those interviews. I, I did, you know, uh, Gabe with Legion Beats. I've interviewed DJ Payne One, Mike Trampy, obviously. I did one with Robin Wesley. So I kind of look at those as podcasts, like just kind of one-offs, you know? And yeah. I just have like a, a playlist on my channel called Interviews, and that's basically where it is. Um, I, I haven't given too much thought to doing it on a regular, consistent basis and making it like an official podcast. Definitely open to it. I don't know if I necessarily have the bandwidth for it right this second, but I really appreciate you saying that the questions were good and, and that you got some value from it. Uh, I'm definitely down to to look at that more carefully and and see what's good. Yeah, like I like talking to people. I don't like being on camera necessarily, but I like having these kinds of conversations. I, I find it very enjoyable. So we'll see. I mean, that that could be. You know, hopefully in five years from now, I'm you know working with the artists on the billboard charts, you know, that's, yeah. that's what I want. Uh, hopefully I'm at a place where there will be no shadow of a doubt that I'll ever have to return to an office job for the rest of my life. In fact, like that must that's what, be the case. Is that what motivates you every morning? I feel like yes. that's, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. Straight up. I mean, one of the things, you know, um, so I mean, th- those two things, hopefully I'm on hopefully I'm happy, you know, hopefully I've, I've found happiness and fulfillment in a sustainable yeah. way. 
and hopefully I'm healthy and my loved ones are healthy. Um, but yeah, I mean, professionally, you know, I, I want to work with the biggest artists. I want to be on the billboard charts. I want placements. I want the plaques and I want the financial freedom to the extent that I know I will never have to be in an office ever again, no matter That's what. Awesome. That's awesome. I feel you on that. All right. I'm pulling for you. I'll be pulling for you. Thank you, you, man. I appreciate what, you. What either when you, uh, you know, are landing placements with the big artists or even six months from now when you're posting the 200 K sales video. <laughs> <laughs> man, I'm I hope pulling so. for you. Thank All you. right, man. I'll let you go. Thanks for hopping on. No doubt, man. It's been fun. Gotcha. Thanks for having me. Bye.